Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg podcast, episode, episode 496. Charlie here with you, Mitch on the other side of the Zoom. Got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about Bucks at the break, uh, just what we've liked, what we haven't, what we're looking forward to. We're going to also discuss Marquette's victory against Xavier tonight. I was in the building, talk about that. Um, and kind of talk about the improbable season that continues on from Marquette and just if there are any other improbable seasons that are are like this, you know, in the state of Wisconsin in the last 10 to 15 years. And then we'll do biz talk. Uh, there's just a lot of business stuff, owner stuff going around, political stuff, valley sports, all sorts of stuff happening. Do that at the end. But before we get going, Mitch, I, I know I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Uh, how, are, yeah. how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, doing great. Um, Bucks rolling, so I'm doing doing just fantastic. You know, Marquette with a big statement victory this evening. Oh, so God. yeah, I know that you are. I mean, it wasn't really a big victory in terms of uh, margin of victory. No, but, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, the last put two a couple nights... extra gray hairs in that, in that beard, didn't it? No, no kidding. And, and the last two nights, and I was I was kind of saying this to a friend of the program, Matra, I went to went to the game with. I was like, you know, the last few years of Marquette, you've kind of, and when the Bucks have gotten good, you've kind of had a reprieve, right? Like you've kind of got to like relax until the summer. And then April, May is just like every night you're tearing your hair out. And now really I'm gonna be in sort of fetal position from mid-March with the Big East tournament. Who knows how long Marquette goes in the actual tournament? I get a little bit of a breather, and then second round of the playoffs starts in early March, early May, and it's it's right back at it. So I might die. I I, I might this this might be the this might be it. It's been good. Um, <laughs> didn't li- live to see thirty five, but that's okay. Um, and then the other thought is just with the crowd la- uh, last night uh, with Boston and Milwaukee, and then tonight. With Marquette and Xavier, I mean, the crowd tonight was unreal. Like they, we were standing for probably the last like eight minutes of that game. Um, yeah. You know, and just shows you like what a basketball city the Milwaukee is, and just you know, and that sometimes gets forgotten. But when Marquette and and the Bucks are really cooking, this city is a basketball city. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you're right. It's like, especially in, well, I mean, we'll talk a little more about it later, but you know, especially with the Brewers kind of, you know, Q rating being about mm-hmm. as low as it's been. Yeah. And probably God. Had Maki years. At least five years. I mean, probably since I mean twenty sixteen they weren't very good, but still like, you know, that was new GM, you know, they're building something. And and like that year it felt like every trade that David Stearns made right when he came in, the guy had an impact. So like you had some some positive vibes so yeah i mean it show it's it's shown i mean bucks game on tuesday crowd was you know a normal fiserv crowd and bucks were not playing very well playing down to where they were you know put to the competition so to speak um and you know the, not giving much for the fans to cheer about but of course you know in the second half fourth quarter overtime crowd was pretty awesome so yep. uh you're right it's uh been Couple of couple of nights to to blow the roof off of Pfizer Forum in a row. Sure, so, absolutely. And before before we kind of talk about the Bucks at the break, uh, obviously they have a game tonight against uh, the Bulls. Uh, but 
you know, I done I did a podcast yesterday. You can go back and listen about lessons learned from Bucks Celtics. Do you have any like things that stood out to you uh, watching that game? Well, I mean, it wasn't necessarily the the greatest performance. The I guess you'd expect them to win that game by double digits, given that Boston was without four regular starters. However, I think you you learned pretty quick that Boston's really deep, and when it, it's it, and teams talk about this all the time, when an NBA team's star players don't play, the others, as they like to say tend to uh, run the system as it's supposed to be, or they move the ball. They take a shitload of threes. And if, and if they're making them, there's not, it's hard to defend that. And yep. that's really what happened in the first half. And, you know, kind of, it was worse in the first half and it kind of slowed down a bit in the second half for Boston. The Bucks probably tightened the screws quite a bit. And, you know, I, I guess, like I said, you, you would have wanted to have won, by a lot, but a win is a win. And, you know, guys like Malcolm Brogdon, still a hell of a player, probably could start in every team in the NBA, including Boston, if they wanted to. Um, Sam Hauser's been awesome, you know, really all season. Um, part of the reason they're so good. And he obviously hits the big shot in his old stomping grounds once upon a time. Yeah, I saw, I saw him. I saw him make that shot against Creighton years ago in a match. Yeah. Like it was in Omaha, but it was just this incredible shot. I think we were podcasting that night. Um, weirdly enough, and yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, he's been known to do it. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's obviously been somewhat of a fit for them. I don't know if he plays a ton in the postseason with Muscala now. Who, you know, thank God he cooled off a little bit in the second half. Um, but barely even saw Robert Williams, who I think is best described as a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now when he comes in the game, their offense isn't as good. People don't people forget that that he's just you know you're just not going to guard him. And but the the problem with that is then he can run around and get every rebound. Um, but so you know they they did what they had to do. Drew Holiday was great, immaculate. Um, you know, he was great. You know, he's been, he's an all-star and he's, he's been good all year, you know, you know, a couple of games after the, not after the, uh, the all-star nod was given, he might've been a little, but he seems to always like come up clutch no matter what, usually on both ends. And it was interesting because it ended up, I well, it did end up kind of be, seems like the bucks, you know, they had a chance for a game winner, you know, like a buzzer beater mm -hmm. and, feels like we never get those. We get like one a year. And, yeah. yeah um, that's actually a point. Like one at home, maybe one on the road, you know. Mm -hmm. And the only one I can think of last year was Drew Hodd. I had a game-winning layup against the Heat. Didn't um, Brooke, didn't Brooke hit one in Dallas this year? That crazy Dallas comeback? Yeah, yeah in, that was. Uh, on a Friday night, late Friday night, where Dallas couldn't hit a free throw. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the one on the road. And then Middleton had a chance to win, a, win it at a, a, a four – overtime and regulation didn't hit the shot, but um, you know, it, it does seem to come down to one thing they, they do have is they're always playing from in front. It seems like late in these games and they'll have like a clutch defensive possession, which can be just as exciting. And um, I guess it didn't really come to that technically, but um, you know, just a great, great comeback in overtime. And, you know, I, 
tip your cap to, to Boston and their quote unquote B team. And um, I don't know, I, you know, I, I tweeted at halftime. I think that the Bucks really could have used Tatum, smart Brown turnovers or bad shots. I mean, yeah. Cause those guys are, you know, that's part of being like a star player and having your, having the ball in your hands all the time is you're going to make, you know, a dumb decision here and there. And yeah, you know, no. they just, the Celtics really didn't do that. And, mm. um, you know, I, I was pretty impressed with them and I do feel like they're, you know, I, if I wasn't necessarily afraid of them before, I, I'm still not really afraid of them, but definitely a little more respect. Uh, oh, for sure. And I think I was saying this on the pod yesterday, like Joe Mazzola has a real decision between Derek White and Marcus Smart in closing minutes because I'm scared of Derek White with the ball in closing minutes. Like, granted, you know, he's not a, that, that good of a ball handler. Drew Holiday was able to get him. But in a regular game with all the guys, like Drew Holiday is probably not on Derek White, right? And yeah. but Derek probably, White take, well, yeah, probably Grayson probably, Allen. Right. And Derek White taking a shot over Marcus Smart taking a shot. Like, we want Marcus – if Marcus Smart beats us in a late-game situation, I probably will take that. I really will. Like, but Derek White, I think Derek White's a better offensive player for them in a late-game situation. And I don't know if he's going to actually get that get that ability because I think they'll defer to Smart's defense. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, or they could have both, but then – Yeah. Where, where's, but, where's Malcolm Brogdon? But then it's – yeah. Jalen yeah. Brown and you know a little bit of a little bit, but I mean the Bucks might have some of those issues too. No, they they um, yeah, they they very well could, and we have we we do need to see the Bucks at full strength, and we can kind of start you know transitioning to the the All Star break and you know what went wrong, obviously, and and kind of like what to look forward to is can the Bucks a stay healthy, and we can we actually see this healthy roster, and you know what went wrong was just they never got full strength. And it's incredible that they could be the one seed uh, when it's all said and done when playing the TNT Bulls tonight. Like, that's that's an incredible accomplishment. Like, that should not be discounted by anyone, uh, just given where the Bucks have been this season in terms of injuries. But I do think, like, it's really important to have the guys playing together for a little bit before the playoffs because I, I just worry, are you able to – can it all come together in the playoffs? Yeah, it's obviously a concern. You know, you had Jay Crowder. Who knows when he'll when he'll come back? And you know, like I said, between Ingles, Crowder, and like I guess Bobby, if you want to throw him in there, I mean, I don't know who's gonna gonna get in to that to that you know type of clutch time rotation out of those out of that group because they all provide something. And you know, with Ingles, it's okay defense and like pretty good size and but more importantly like playmaking and shot making and with Crowder it's just going to be like probably overall toughness and you know and, should be able and to, defense and, and defense just... and, and and you know you hope I haven't seen him play all year so um, mm-hmm. you hope that the decision making and stuff like that and take good shots I mean he he shot Phoenix out of the playoffs practically last year. Yes, um, that is the concern with Jay Crowder is there is an Eric Bledsoe in him where he feels like he has to shoot the ball at some point where he's like, it's Jay Crowder time. And it's like, no, man, like just 
just play within play within yourself. Like don't force it. And but I do think like he's like, oh, I haven't shot the ball in a while. I might as well might as well chuck one from deep. Like it's definitely an issue with Jay. And you have, um, you don't know what's going to happen with Grayson Allen. Javon Carter's looked pretty good again, mm-hmm. and yeah. West West Matthews has been good. I mean, it's just it's a good problem to have. Totally, but you know, it, it's just going to really have to be up to Mike Mike Budenholzer and yeah, and yeah, no series the series and whatever's whatever's working. It, it will probably give them an opportunity the last couple months to. Um, work some guys in and out of the lineup, and get an aging roster some some days off and stuff. And once everyone's God forbid fully healthy, you know they can probably do that. So be interesting yeah. to see what what happens. Yeah, and the Bucks don't take yeah. There's like no days off, right? When you get back from the break, it's Miami and Phoenix both at home, and it'd be nice to have Crowder. It'd be nice to have Portis. It'd be nice to have Middleton in the starting lineup, like. Those would all be things. Maybe you're not going to get all three, but it'd be nice to at least get two of them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I don't know what the plan would be with Middleton. I would hope that after the All Star break, he's starting again. I mean, he looks. You'd assume so. Yeah. He looks fantastic. I think it's been probably a week too long here. He hasn't been mm-hmm. starting or a handful of games. Yeah, for and sure. And it's uh, it's time. Yeah, I almost wonder if the like the long layoffs that the Bucks have had, right? They've, you know, they had Monday to Thursday or Monday to Wednesday or Tuesday and Wednesday off. There we go. Um, they had, so they had a two day layoff there Had a back to back Middleton didn't play. Then they had a three day layoff with Boston. I almost wonder if like, that's part of the like bench rest is because he's getting so much extra, extra rest because they're not playing a ton. And so, yeah, I would hope that after the all-star break, it's back it's back to normal and we can start seeing, all right, who is that fifth guy? It's a, and that's another, like, is it going to be Grayson? Is it going to be Pat Connaughton? Is it going to be, um, uh, Jay Crowder could maybe have a case. I don't, I don't see that one as much, but I, I do wonder like, what you know, who is that fifth guy? And you know what, you know, I think there's cases to be made for all three, but I would probably put Pat as the leader of the clubhouse in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's tough to really th- – it just depends on the matchup, I guess. And Yeah, I mean, but for for a regular season, like, Pat has done such a good job in terms of, like, working on pick and rolls with Giannis and done a really good job in, in those scenarios and has mm-hmm. shot the ball relatively well. Like, I, I mean, I, I guess the only, like, drawback to this – and Shannon mentioned this last time we did a podcast where it's like Grayson Allen really doesn't – perform that well off the bench and it's almost like he performs better as a starter and pat has you know done work in the second unit so if you have pat you have body you know maybe that's a case why you would you would roll with grayson in the regular season yeah that's a good point um grayson just in general has you know stretches of games where he just disappears and yeah you know he's unfortunately it's it gets pointed out probably at I see a tweet about it every game where it's like if Grayson's not shooting, what is what is he doing out there? And it's kind of where he's at. So because he, yeah. he gets hunted on defense, and most time it doesn't work for the Bucks. You know, I mean, it's people switch onto him, and you know he's six four and not the strongest guy, and you know he's not super switchable, and 
it's just uh it's tough you know against teams like chicago um or aka your first round matchup whoever that might be <laughs> you know you can get away with it because he'll be wide open and then you know mm-hmm. other teams maybe don't have the uh the wherewithal or the talent to to cover up those you know defensive uh miscues as much as other teams do where you know so he's just got to be aggressive and yeah I know, i'm just some trying to like that yeah right and he just he did play really well in that boston game i mean i think that's a huge like takeaway from this is like if that grayson allen can play against bot like if that grayson allen can play in the playoffs like all right i'm into that like hustling busting his ass yeah. you know getting on the floor you know making just key defensive plays like if that Grayson Allen's there, like keep that energy, you know, it's a little overused, yeah. like cliche term in 2023, but it's like, keep that same energy all the time, man. And you can the only really thing I'll say about that is that, you know, you're not, there's no Tatum, no Brown. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. I mean, it's totally fair. It's, it's totally fair. It's tough. If, if guys who are six, 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 seven and up are, mm-hmm. you know, ISO'd on him on the wing, it's like, Oh shit. And right you now, you can you can survive that when it's Sam Hauser, but yeah, exactly. It's a good point. Anything anything else that you're kind of like looking at, you know, stuff that you know from the first half of the year, or just kind of what what sort of on the precipice here as we get into the home stretch before the playoffs. Um, I guess the only thing I can think of right away is is Giannis. All right, I mean, yeah, um, it's fair. The knee, you know, he sat out for better part of two weeks. And, you know, we kind of scoffed at it, myself included. And I don't know, it seems like every game there's like a tweak or, you know, and it's, you know, I thought this was the one almost. Yeah, uh, I did too. Against Boston. It it didn't look good. It usually can like pop right up, but he he really rolled around for a while. It was really scary. I was like, fuck, it's Valentine's Day. I'm going to have to get on a pod with Mitch here. Like a lot of stuff was running through my head. Like, is this it? Like, am I just gonna go into purgatory as a Bucks fan for like? And and we've like honestly, besides Marquette, we're gonna get to. And I would say this kind of flipping to 2023, but like 2022 was an awful year for Wisconsin sports fans. We we mentioned that at the in December, it was awful. Like it was not a good year, and it's like, oh, here we go again. And thankfully, Ana the Kumbo was was okay. And uh, he got back I, up and kept playing. He's Superman. And, yeah, I, I don't know if he'll play tonight. I would love to see them keep the streak. I really want to beat the Bulls. But if Giannis needs a night to rest his knee, I, I can't, like, disagree with that. Yeah. I would be surprised if he played just because he's going to have to go to fucking Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the league is going to – and Giannis probably wants to. I mean, you know. And it's fine. I mean, the Bulls are, they can't even score 100 points. So, I mean, they're not yeah, they're, really. They're in rough shape right now. They Did they play tonight? I don't know, but I think they did on Tuesday. Let me look. Too. They, I, I oh, they haven't they, scored like over 100. And it's, it's, they've scored like 90 the last like three games. They did. They did score. They got to a hundred, Mitch, tonight. They got to one thirteen, but they lost to the Indiana Pacers, one seventeen to one thirteen. Uh, they had a thirty nine to fifteen lead in the first quarter and blew that. Yeah, so they're 
what six seven games below 500 i mean right yeah they're basically they're done yeah they're <laughs> they're goose their goose might be cooked i mean no DeRozan still um he's not been playing he has a, does he have a hip injury is that right i, I thought like he played up. tuesday oh he did not play tonight so, so who knows well. i mean i would assume he's playing tomorrow oh diagnosed with a grade one thigh injury um, so that, that means maybe DeRose doesn't play all, I would, he's not been ruled out for Thursday's game against the Bucks, uh, per Casey Johnson of NBC Chicago. So we'll have to see if we get DeRozan, um, tomorrow night or tonight. Sorry. I've been awful with the dates. I apologize to people. Sometimes it's hard when you're doing Wednesday night and you're like, okay, you gotta think this is for Thursday, but apologize to people. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting. I think. You know, also looking ahead to who that team could be that the Bucks play in terms of, you know, first round opponent, whether they're the seven seed or whether they're the two seed or the one seed. Um, you know, there are some teams where I'd not really wouldn't really be happy playing them. I mean, Toronto is really playing well all of a sudden uh, with Jacob Portal. They've they've sort of started turning on a bit, and I want no part of Toronto. It's not that I'm scared of Toronto. It's just that puts you right in the meat grinder from series one and it's there's no there's no breaks right i think the knicks the bucks it match up well but tibbs is you know he's gonna it's a physical matchup no matter what and they've they're definitely look a little bit alive now that josh hart's on that team it seems like it's been a good addition so it, it, no no series is going to be easy i i think unless the hawks or wizards somehow find their way in the playoffs but it's going to be difficult and I while the West definitely leveled up with all the all the acquisitions, uh, the East is still pretty damn tough too. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. You know, it's I guess yeah, Atlanta or Washington, you're probably um, okay with in the first round. But outside of that, out of the realistic teams, you know, Brooklyn is interesting now. I don't know what. You know, they lost their first couple of games after the trade. It looks like they won uh, tonight or, you know, one of, one of these. Yeah. Yeah. They won Bridges, their last game. Bridges had 45 tonight. Uh, that's wild. That is uh, interesting, too. Because, man, I know Durant's Durant, but Mikel Bridges is a damn good basketball player. And that's quite the guy to trade. And he, he lit it up tonight. Yeah. Right. And that's the price of doing business. And, uh-huh. you know, Phoenix is desperate for a title, new owner. I mean, it's the the conditions are favorable. And, mm-hmm. for sure. you know, all the NBA people were talking about how they basically knew this trade was come. Even the players, Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges were in their press conference were like, yeah, you know, we kind of knew this trade was on the table. And, um, you know, so we, we it, it was discussed a couple of times between the two of us about what it'd be like to be in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, those guys are obviously um, team players, if you will. And, you know, they get it and we'll see what happens. But Cam Johnson's a free agent, so who knows? Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, and I guess the last thought on Brooklyn too, could who could also easily be round one opponent. Like this is kind of the Brooklyn team that they had with Kenny Atkinson before all the stars got in. And that was a yeah. bitch of a team to play. Yeah, I mean they were they were they were fun. I mean they were fun with D'Angelo Russell, Dinwiddie, um, was Joe Harris there? Probably. Yeah, Joe Harris was yeah. there. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it uh, it is, it is kind of back to that, but probably a better version of that. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it'll be interesting. So no, it's going to be, it's nice to have a break. It's kind of like with the Bucks having a 12 game winning, if they were able to win tonight, shouldn't put the cart before the horse. But if they do win tonight and it's a 12 game winning streak, kind of sucks that they can't continue on, but it's also a good time to heal up and maybe it can even be better uh, when, when they get Miami um, next Friday night on ESPN, that's a, a national broadcast as well. Which is yeah. So like, and that's, and that's another, I guess, positive to think about coming out of the break. You get two home, two home games right off the, right off the bat. You don't have to go on the road. Um, it's kind of nice. And they're two really good opponents with, uh, with Miami and Phoenix. And we'll see if, see if Durant plays. And that's, I guess, one of the negatives they've, they they did not play Phoenix yet this year, so they get to see the new look Suns twice uh, down the stretch. Yeah, and I think they saw Durant at least. I know he played at least one game. Yeah, that against the Bucks. That game that we were terrible. Uh, he lit us up. It was that uh, Friday before Christmas, hmm. where the Bucks were like kind of dead man walking, and uh, they just then Christmas Day happened, and I think we all we all kind of knew it was coming, unfortunately, and. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun ride and excited to ton a, a ton of national TV games. Oh yeah, no. Um, there's like one every week, basically. Great, um, it's, it's excellent. You know, even better if Bally ceases to exist, so we're at, we're gonna survive at least Bucks basketball, or we're just gonna have to start going to games like every every night to be able to get our fix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, oh, was I going to say, oh, the, uh, your comment on the national thing right before we move on to Marquette, uh, it gives Giannis a real opportunity, I think, to push for the MVP. I know that the fans have been pushing it. I don't think he cares at all. Um, but it's I think that noise is going to get louder and louder with the more national TV games he has, even if he doesn't really play that well. Like last night, he did not play well. But if you look at that stat line, if you're a box score watcher, which some of these guys are, they just a don't have the time to watch or B they're just that's how they they watch basketball these days like 36 13 and 9 is looks fucking good you can ignore you can if you miss the eight turnovers and the fact that he took him 26 shots to get there like yeah you're you're probably like oh that's a good night for Giannis. yeah i was gonna say but he was probably maybe 50 percent from the floor yeah 12 of 26 so yeah, yeah a little even. under actually yeah a little under so interesting all right Let's move on to the Marquette Golden Eagles. So as mentioned at the Open, I was at the game. It was just an incredible atmosphere. Uh, I can't say enough. Like, it was – it's hard to remember a game that I've been at that had that much energy. Um, the Baylor game was fun, but it was such a blowout that it just happened – it happened so quick. And, I mean, that is the start of the, you know, the DVD on this season. Is that Baylor game where all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, might have something. And even then, you know, we were having conversations leaving the arena saying, all right, just, you know, this could, this could look really good on a resume. You know, if Marquette, you know, is better than we expect, like they'll, you know, they'll have this big win. And it would have been, you know, if Marquette was on the bubble with how good Baylor is now and looking like a team that maybe even could be a one seed, as crazy as that sounds. But it, Marquette doesn't need that. Marquette's a three seed and maybe could push to a two if, you know, things go well for them. And it's just been this incredible ride that nobody expected. You know, Tyler Kolick, when asked about the ninth being placed ninth in the preseason polls, he said, fuck them. And 
kind of set the tone. And Chalk has mentioned it, that it, everyone's had a chip on their shoulder. Um, these are all guys that were still at Marquette. None of these guys are transfer portal dudes. And it's just, it's been such a fun ride. And I think part of that is due to the fact of the unpredictable nature. But I also think part of it is due to the fact that Steve Wojciechowski was not a good guy. Steve Wojciechowski, no, he's not a good guy. I should take that back. Like, he just, he wanted to do things his way. He didn't really embrace the Marquette culture. He really wasn't a Marquette guy. And Shaka has made himself a Marquette guy, like, Every Marquette game I've been at this year, they always take time to welcome whatever alumni is at the game. Like Wes and Jarrell, we're sitting, Drum McNeil, that is, we're sitting next to each other in West Matthews of the Bucks. We're hanging out at courtside. And then you had Rob Jackson there uh, from the Final Four team. Todd Townsend was there uh, as well. Like we were shouting out Todd Townsend, right? But it still matters to Shaka Smart. And where was Jay Crowder? Jay was not there. I was expecting Jay. But no, it was uh, so no. So he he did when he did his introductory press conference. I listened to it, and uh, Jay said he wouldn't be at the game. Um, oh, they asked him. Yeah, well, they asked him a few things, and he said he he had a he has a child that lives in Chicago, oh. so he's definitely going. He was obviously on the bench on Tuesday against Boston, and he's definitely going down to Chicago for the game yeah, Thursday. Yeah. I would assume to have some family time. Yep. Uh, some baby mama time. Yep, no doubt. Or whatever. And, yeah, got to take um, care of that. Um, and so, so, so yeah, so that well, that's a bummer. But no, it. Uh, but it's just like the cold. It's so fun, man, and it's hard to really remember. And I, I would love to hear what you have, like anything that's kind of like this recently in Wisconsin sports. It's just improbable seasons don't come around. I mean, it's the, the term improbable is not necessarily, you know, it's defined as such. It doesn't happen often. It's out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's been such a fun ride uh, as a Marquette fan. First one that came to my mind um, is probably the 09-10 bucks with yeah. the Fear the Deer year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It was just going to be another, another ho-hum Herb Cole, you know, uh, uh, 38 win season and no they said fuck them and traded for john salmons i mean picked up like jerry stackhouse like yeah. just a washed jerry stackhouse and kurt thomas people forget and kurt, kurt had some moments too in that series yeah i mean kurt thomas was like was bogut hurt that year or bogut had no? the bogut had the arms thing with damari stoudemire yeah and that was at the end of the previous season yeah so he missed a lot of, and so Kurt Thomas was huge. And I don't know, like that was just like, you had Brandon Jennings come in and really put some like excitement into the team. And he played well for a couple games early in the year. <laughs> and then kind of <laughs> really wasn't a factor. It was more Salmons and like Delfino. And I mean, God, just rattling off those names is just like Drew Gooden. And I mean, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. They, they, that, they won, I think, 46 and 36, which was, like, the best season they had had since 2001. Yeah. And it was just fun. And it was the first year I lived in Milwaukee. So, I mean, it just – it was just a great way to kind of be welcomed into Milwaukee basketball. And yeah. Yeah, I know that. 
that's a great answer. Uh, I, I think that's one that really, you know, kind of gets forgotten. Right. But that's sort of the start start of at least a little bit of what the Bucks could be. If you look at that and you're like, all right, then they kind of fell back to earth. They kind of were the same old Bucks until, you know, the ownership group and Giannis come in and, you know, it, it dips again. But you have this one spike of like, hey, this is what it could be. And the Bucks, of course, didn't fall through on that and keep it keep it there. Well, right. Felt- I mean, when when you have the Bucks' problem for years and years and years and years and years and years and years was that they had, you know, seven. They had like a roster crunch of like just like average players and you know guys that teams would take, but they probably wouldn't have played for like a really good team. And you know, you you you, you gave big contracts to like average players like Drew Gooden and stuff like that. And you just you, you never got out of your own way, no. never rebuilt, and just for years and years and years. And then, you know, so then obviously when the team plays above their head for, you know, thirty games, it just like you're gonna make some stupid decisions and then you know fall back into. But yeah, yeah. So no, that's basically. Yeah, and I think if I'm thinking about the Packers, really, I think the only improbable ones that run the table year, right? I mean, they were four and six. It looked done. I mean, that's a different kind of improbable because it's Mm -hmm. like it and you would have this season could have been in that same conversation where it's like that in the water. It doesn't look good. And all of a sudden it turns it around. And and then you have the Cowboys game as sort of the crescendo with Jared Cook catch and the Packers find a way to win in Dallas where Aaron Rodgers just owned that team. And you as a 90s kid growing up and seeing the Cowboys kick your ass time and time again to flip the script is an incredible thing that I, I don't really take for granted. Weirdly, that's a weird thing that I just kind of, I always like am fond of and love about sort of the Rogers era, the Green Bay Packers. And then, yeah, Yeah. it ran, you ran out of gas. And, you know, I think with Marquette, it's, I was talking to my wife on the way home, who's a Marquette grad and just kind of recapping it with her and saying like, I, I really just want them to win in the first round. Like at this point now, it's like, I kind of need them to win in the second round too. Like now it feels like a disappointment if they don't get to the sweet 16, but you know, the, the Badger haters, which it's okay that there are like, there are people who hate Wisconsin. So it's, it's fine that not everybody's going to embrace this team. Although I would make an argument that they are one of the most fun you know, teams in college basketball to watch. Like, I, I think it's, it's just a re- you really have a good time watching Marquette basketball, but I understand, I understand there, you know, Wisconsin had fun teams back in the mid two thousands and people still hated their guts too. So I, I get it. Uh, but you know, those people will hold over the head that Marquette has not won a tournament game since 2013. That is a real stat. And that stat needs to die. And that, and <laughs> if they, they beat, you know, a 14 seed, a 15 seed, or even a 13 seed, like that's, that goes away. That's true. Uh, I, I want to offer one caveat for your, your Packers improbable yeah. is that it's a, it's a tough, the expectations are championship basically every yeah, year for the Packers. Point. So it's, point. it's, it's hard to be like hard. To, and, and when your quarterbacks are in Rogers, it's hard to be like, Oh, this is improbable. I mean, right. um, I was trying to think about a Packers one. It just because I mean they went six and ten in Rogers' first year, then the next year was when they lost to the Cardinals, right? In the yep. like that wild game, 
Yep, the face um, masking that Kurt Warner. It was funny. Kurt Warner was talking about the holding in the Super Bowl. I was like, well, we got to call it. We got to call it. And then John Kuhn, like, quote tweeted and was like, so we're going to call Michael Adams a uh, hit to Roger's head or no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, really, I mean, I don't know. Have the Packers had a ton of improbable no, seasons? No, they, they I, have yeah. it. I mean, they really – the other one that I thought of was just the Brewers in 2011. Like, that team – was gonna be good, kind of, like it was expected. They were good. They make the trade for Granky. They make the trade for Markham, but they were kind of in uncharted territory in terms of winning the division. That was the first division title. I mean, and so it, yeah. it was improbable in the sense that the Brewers were actual contenders in baseball. Like it wasn't yeah. just it wasn't that 2008 story where it was like, all right, they got it. They nearly collapsed in the playoffs, but they got in basically because the Mets collapsed and West Helms, bless his heart hits a home run and they get in in, in 2008. Um, and then, but 2011, they were in full control. And I think as we now are 12 years removed and it's gotten harder to win in baseball uh, than it, than it was in 2011, like retrospectively, that was a major missed opportunity. And you just ran into a Cardinals team that you outmanaged you out, you know, Ron Renneke versus Tony Lewis says like, <laughs> I'm trying to think the compare. It's like it's kind of like Marquette against like Chicago State. Like it's not a fair fight, you know what I mean? And and so you do look at it, back at that now with a little more like, man, that that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, 2011's not a bad one because, like you said, they they were legitimate, but like just how dominant they were mm-hmm. in the especially like in the second half and um, how everything came together and they made it all the way. I mean a game away from the world series and um, that obviously hadn't happened in a long, long, long time. So, because in, in 08, like you said, they kind of, I mean, that was improbable because of (laughs) CC going absolute, you know, yeah. CC totally. And they still had to get lucky. And then it was, that was definitely one of those where they were just happy to be there and, Mm -hmm you know, kind of got the monkey off their, off, you know, the, the monkey off the city's back and um, basically got whooped in the playoffs. And, um, but yes, they had, they had a real opportunity to, to do some damage in 2011 and, you know, won a playoff series and which, you know, is never easy in baseball just because of, I don't know, we've seen it now a few times yeah. the last few years, how baseball playoffs are. It's, it's not one and done, but it seems like it, it's so easy for your bats to go go cold in the playoffs, and you just have and you're just fucked. And yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, not it was, one and done, but it but it's like it it becomes obvious pretty quick who's going to win the series. And people memory hole like that the Brewers twenty twenty one team was really fucking good, and their bats went cold against a good Atlanta team who was red hot. Like yeah. They, it's just, it'll get memory hole just to your point about earlier about the Q rating being down and being like, oh, that team wasn't that good. It's like, no, that team, team kicked ass. That team was really good. They just got cold at the wrong time. And there you go. You're out. And that's it. And that's, I mean, to tie it back to Marquette again, like that's the NCAA tournament, right? Like you could have one bad game and that's the bad game that, that comes back to bite you. Like, and I, it's so funny looking at this tournament and we're still a month away, but I don't know if I can trust anybody. And like, I, can, right. I like, and that's where I look at it too, where I'm like, 
I started thinking big picture about Marquette and I'm like, well, TCU, everyone was ready to like say, all right, TCU is going to lose. TCU is going to lose. And they didn't lose until they met a buzzsaw in Georgia. Like I'm not saying Marquette can be a final four team, but I'm not like ruling that out. Like I'm inviting that conversation into the room. Like we're not, we're not like, you can't just ignore what they've done. Like we have to, it, Big East is right there with the big 12 as the best conference in basketball. And they're winning games night. Not they have, they will not get swept by any team in the Big East. They've at least beat everybody once. Last time that happened was 2003 for the Golden Eagles, and that that year worked out pretty well for them. Right, and it, you're right. That that is what sucks about college basketball is your conference tournament. It's one bad game. You lose in the first round or second round, whatever you want to call it. There's buys and stuff involved yeah, yeah. in conference no, tournaments I guess, and I guess stuff. So. But you know, if Marquette sort of you know, how many games do they have left? Like five? Uh, like yeah, that. something like that. I can look. And let's say they win four out of five, right? In there, mm-hmm. which, yeah, let's go conservative, say three and two. That puts them yeah. at what? 16 and five in the, in the big East. Yes. Probably going to, probably going to win the big East at that point. Yeah. And you could get a buy and, um, you know, yeah, if you, if you fall, you go cold in the first in the first game you play in the Big East tournament. That could be the difference between a two and a four seed, right? And yeah, I mean, it, seating seating necessarily at that point doesn't matter. Probably, I think it's when you probably get into like your fives and your sixes. You'd like I, to jump up to. I would push back slightly because of if you go up to two, like you're gonna probably get a place that's close to you for travel sake. Like, and there are a couple locations like Des Moines and columbus that are really nice for marquette like they they'll travel well they travel well anywhere they're kind of like badger fans in that sense where they will have people there but um maybe not at the level of wisconsin fans i know that's a big calling card probably some people mad at me i will say uh their last four games if they were to lose two of them i would probably i'd probably punt some things because you have creighton uh on tuesday at creighton this will be a very tough game very very Difficult game. Very thankful they have six days off uh, to rest before that because that's going to be a war again. And then they have DePaul at home. They go to Butler and then they're home for St. John's. So definitely take care of business, DePaul and St. John's. Butler might use that as a Super Bowl. That'd be my only like fear in that Butler game is that Butler sees that senior night. They're not making the tournament. They're not making any tournament. Do they use that as sort of like their last hurrah to like have a feather in their cap for the following year? That's the only thing that scares me about that Butler game. Yeah, you could probably build an argument that I mean, even DePaul has shown flashes this year. Yeah, um, they're they're back. They to are. They're, they got the, they got the they got the win in DePaul, so you don't have to worry about that. Right. Um, you got that, Nick. So yeah, so they have four games left in the Big four. East. Four left, and then the following week's the biggest tournament, and the Marquette has that's another like demon. And Shock has mentioned it, and it's kind of on their like chip on their shoulders. Marquette's been terrible the Big East tournament. It's on they, the uh, it's on the to do list. Yeah, it's like they they I don't think they've got to the semifinals. Gosh, I think it's been since like 2012, maybe. But like they just it's always it's always early exits. And that that was the old Big East. That was when the Big East was like rocking and rolling with like all the different teams they they didn't get to i think it was the quarterfinals because that big east tournament was so massive when they had 16 teams and they did get to the quarterfinals in uh 2011 and got absolutely shit pumped by louisville uh 81 to 56 so that's like 
how long I think that's how long it's been. I'd have to like double back here and check, but I'm I'm pretty confident that like Marquette has not had a you know got into the semifinals. Uh, they had a Seton Hall game. There's a podcast out there you can listen to where I I did a drunk podcast that at the end of that Seton Hall game because they got absolutely fucked. Uh, and that was in the semifinals for a right to go. And it was uh, I was very upset because Miles Polisher got kicked out of the game um, and that he didn't. So that, you know, there you have it. <laughs> Make the Big East great again with yeah. some of those some of those teams. I, I mean, know, man. It was I a know. lot harder back then to just because there's what, 14 teams in, in the league or something like uh, that. I think it was I mean, 16. I think it was 16. Yeah, it was huge for a while there. Yeah. And um, now it's what, 10? Yeah. So uh, yeah, a little more normal. Like a little more normal. Uh also uh uh Mamu was on that Seton Hall team. He had ten points uh in that game. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's your boy. Yeah, I, I like Mamu. I, I Mamu Mamu does some positive things. All right, let's uh let's move on. Uh let's uh, let's talk a little business here. I don't have a catchy title for this. I trying to think about it. Think if we had drops, I would have made you like pull like ludicrous, like get out my business, my business, you know. <laughs> um, but where do you want to start? We'll spin the wheel. We have the Bucks owners, we have Valley, we have uh Brewers becoming a political fight here in the state. What do you what do you want to start with? Brewers seems to be the most uh timely. Yeah. Yes, um, yes, the most recent Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. And uh if for those who are unfamiliar or maybe not in the state. Uh, the governor, Tony Evers, put together a plan to uh, give the Brewers $290 million for maintenance of their stadium with contingency plans that the Brewers would stay here until 2043. Right now, the Brewers lease is up in 2030. If you're wondering why the Brewers don't pay themselves for this maintenance, uh, it is written into their contract that the state pays. And Evers, you know, thinking through and thinking about all right, we have all this free money. Here's what I want to do with it and propose that. Uh, that's that's kind of what he did. And, you know, the pushback has been from the Republican-backed legislature that Tony Evers is circumventing us. He's not using us. We he, we should have talked about this first. Um, and there's frustration, you know, in that side of it. It's, you know, normal-ass politics. But with the Brewers' Q rating being down, this makes a lot of people uncomfortable because a lot of people go to the tried and true tradition. Well, why doesn't the owner just pay for it? And here we go. And this does not do Mark any sort of favors right now with his, his approval rating being as low as it's, it has been for a long time. Right. Yeah. People are, people are frustrated. There's, there's shirts going around, sell the team. Oh, I saw really? it on Twitter. Yeah. Somebody, really? somebody I, I saw one very, one Steve Sparky Pfeiffer quote tweet some clothing company with like a sell the team shirt that they're that they're pushing and I'm thinking I'm not there. I mean I think I might be upset with Mark Adonacio or just, you know, um upset with the way they've done things the last couple seasons or not even. But he's also done a lot of good things and I'm not at that point to sell the team. Um, you know, we're not the fucking pirates. Um I know things haven't been ideal the last 12 months, but um, let's pump the brakes on that. And you're right with, with, with stadium, anytime you're talking public funding, it's going to be a battle and it does become political. There's always 
especially now nowadays when everybody has a voice on social media and can can provide their thoughts even though nobody asks and um you know it, it's it's it should happen you know um you never want to risk losing a professional team of of really any sort in my opinion just because you know the the economical impact i mean you know the bucks got there once i saw the the bucks got there got a new stadium done that's when mm-hmm. i knew anything was possible in, in life a- absolutely and um because you know i you know i i don't even know how to explain that because apathy was I mean, very recently up before that, fortunately they had, they had had swung in the, in the right direction. And I think people thought that, you know, there was a real chance for a championship contender at some point down the road. But a couple of years before that there wasn't. And, um, you know, I mean, I I would love to know. People could have given a shit less if if they were here or not. You could talk about like greatest what ifs of all time, but there's like a real story that has yet to be written and we know the like Giannis origin story, but like if Giannis isn't here, I don't think the Bucks are here. Right. Right. Well, and, and probably what helped too was the new ownership had come in. Right. And had sort of changed thing. I mean, it was still early yeah. in the yeah. process, Gian- but it, it wasn't her call. Giannis wasn't the player that, you know, he was back then when, when everything happened, but it was start, you started to see flashes. You started to see this like guy that was so unique, so different, just so fun, right. Smoothie tweet, Mm -hmm. all the stuff where it's like, Holy shit, we have a, we have a guy here. Um, Mm -hmm. And real quick back to your solid team. I looked at that and that guy follows me on TikTok. I can't fucking rip him. Um, That sucks. (laughs) That just sucks. God damn it. I hate that. Oh, this is the times where I'm like, all right, do I just go score shirts and don't give a fuck? Or do I just say like, cause like, I don't know. He does, he does a lot of good like content and the guy's obviously doing a really good job of getting himself out there, but that's, that's a bridge too far. But you gotta, Hey, you gotta make money. And yeah, no, I mean, you gotta go where the people are and definitely strike all the iron's hot. That, you know, I think the t-shirt business just feeds into pinheads, right? Like, what, what will the pinheads buy, right? I mean, yeah, fucking exactly. Barst, but look at some of the fucking shit Barstool puts out. I mean, respect to them. They, you know, the merch game is why I think a lot of their success happened. But, like, Portnoy had a shirt out that was, like, Kim Jong-un, Putin, and Kyrie. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's dumb. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... It's dumb. Dumb. Right. So anyways, uh, it just makes me want to just, you know, uh, if I ever did this thing by myself and got funding, we would have a just emerging uh, clothing company. I just don't have the time to, to put it together. But anyways, back to yeah, the Brewer comments. Yeah, I, I think something will get done. I think they'll figure it out. I think that I'm more nervous than ever. We've talked about this a hundred times, I think, this offseason. But when Mark gets in front of the mics, I'm just going to brace for dear life and just hope it hope it goes well. Yeah, it's he's he's done he's done a good job of laying low, um, but it'll happen eventually. I mean, he's gonna have to gonna have to speak at some point. Now you have, now you have spring training starting, so um, yeah, it's definitely coming. Yeah, because uh, you know you know any reporter wants to get uh, 
wants to get that juicy uh juicy soundbite. No, no. Um that that is that is a hundred percent true. And you know they'll be they'll be looking for it, even though they do have some chief water carriers. And really quickly, just you know, on a side, and then we can talk about Haslam and talk about Bally. Um the Burns thing is not a big deal, guys. This is fucking this happens. It's not arbitration is part of the sport. It's weird. Max Freed and the Braves have went through two two rounds of arbitration. Um, it it's part of baseball. It sucks. I wish the Brewers could have figured out a way to buy out his arbitration and pay it out in a nice contract, and that couldn't happen. And that's unfortunate. And maybe they're still working on it. I don't know. Um, I highly doubt it with Burns personally, but it's just part of the game. Unfortunately, it's a dumb it's a dumb thing that happens. But McAlvey wrote a really nice piece on just kind of breaking it down for fans. And I, I don't remember arbitration numbers ever ever being like released to the public or like becoming until like this year. All of a sudden uh, now it's last like last couple of, I think the hater stuff came out, right? Because they there was like an actual debate I, on yes, like hater worth that. and like what hater was and like that led to hater becoming a closer. Like Corbin knows this is business. He understands it. It's, I don't think he's going to use this as ill will towards the brewers. But I, again, I, I thought that that was the case with the hater trade and it wasn't. So I hope I don't have a mopey Corbin Burns on my hands uh, this spring training. Well, and as Rachel Luba tweeted, uh, I think on Tuesday night, uh, she's an agent. Um, so she works with obviously both sides and she points out that, um, while arbitration kind of sucks, it also gives, you know, good players an opportunity to, to get a raise and sort of negotiate their, you know, their value, um, instead of just being locked into some minuscule amount, they at least have some leeway where they can, you know, they can argue their case for how much they should be paid, but it, it's just, it, it is antiquated and it sucks that, you know, you have to go to court with your employer and um, it doesn't always get to that point, but you know, typically with your, your, uh, your Corbin Burns or, you know, your higher, higher end talent guys that are still under, aren't still under team control. Um, you do have to probably go fight it out and um, scrape and claw over, you know, a million dollars and um, but a million bucks is a million bucks. So yeah, if, a team, if, team, if a team can save a little bit, they'd love to. Yeah. Well, and yeah, quickly as we're, we're running up against the time, uh, we're taping this a little later than we usually do uh, with Jimmy Haslam, potentially uh rumor to take over 25% of the bucks. You know, I think the first thing I thought was I, I joined the morality police. It's easy to do that. Right. You know, Haslam has not really had a great history. It's pretty checkered. Um, whether it's in business with some of his fly, flying J stuff or in sports ownership with uh, the, the Deshaun Watson contract and wanting to bring Deshaun Watson in. Uh, Haslam has not been the squeakiest of guys. He's also been very hands-on. He's been very involved and using guys like Paul Podesta, who is a former baseball guy and really just doing a lot of unique and different things. And when I say unique and different, I don't mean that as a compliment. I mean that as like, yeah, He's not a he's not considered in the top top echelon of NFL owners, but now once a part of the Bucks, and you know he has deep pockets, and I think there's another part of you where it's like none of these guys are 
good people. They're all corrupt. Like they're all have skeletons. Uh, Mark Lazary oh, yeah. got himself involved in a poker game. Uh, apparently the guy that helped the construction finish had some mob ties. I couldn't find those. I was asked to research that. I could not find them. So if someone wants to send me the link on that, I would be more than welcome to li- to read that. But anyways, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know how you felt about it, but I originally was like, ah, this is outrage. And I was like, well, he's just there to spend money and get another championship. Like, fuck it. Like, let him spend money for us. That would help. Yeah. Obviously you see that name and you're like, oh, fuck. I mean, you know, the Browns are the Browns and um, like you mentioned, not the greatest dude, but I mean, 25% of, and they have several other minority owners and I don't know, sports ownership is, is in an interesting spot. I think right now with just teams seemingly bought and sold and like the English premier league soccer is, is there's going to be a bunch of American ownership in that league. And I'm not sure how they feel about it. I think that's interesting that, um, you know, American people are, are buying those and, getting jumping in. It's just kind of, they're all jumping in for a piece of the pie. And I don't know. I don't know how, how it would really affect things. I think, you know, it's not, if he was buying a majority stake, then I'd be a little more nervous, but um, I think they have a pretty decent thing going uh, with the bucks. And I don't know how much he could possibly screw it up. So And even I've sort Chad, of, I, I, I've sort of, yeah. It, initially, it was it was like wow, yeah. But um, I don't know. Until it happens, I guess I'll worry about it then. But and Eden's and Eden's has seventy five percent control at this point, or will it? Sounds like he's going to try to take more control, more ownership, and he has the governor role for five years, and then that's the question: Would just Eden stay the governor? And he would bring in guys like Haslam and maybe some others to, you know, have little pieces of the pie to say they're an owner of an NBA team. Cause it's, it's very much a popular rich guy thing to own a team right now. And it always has been, but I think it more than ever, just considering how well sports do like live sports is just the guaranteed like moneymaker. It's why NBC is trying to get back in and, and other things like, HBO is like wonder or HBO Max is wondering should we stream NBA games if they with their new NBA deal. So it's really an interesting time in sports from an ownership and big money rich people perspective. And kind of moving into Bally just to finish us off, like Bally declares bankruptcy. Don't really know where it's going. It sounds like at least 30 days before anything really happens. But I don't know if the lights are getting turned off in 30 days. I really have no idea where this is going. Yeah. Um I, I mean, I have a couple like initial thoughts and love to get yours. Like I think for baseball, weirdly it's easier because baseball has a relationship with Peacock. They have a relationship with ESPN plus a part of me thinks like, okay, why wouldn't you just do like a channel on one of those for the different teams and, and also open it up to if, okay, if you're a Cubs, if you're a Cubs fan, but you also, you also like to watch the angels, you could watch both. Right. And mm-hmm. you get you could pay, you know, ten dollars a month for both or ten dollars a month for each team or something like that. But then it's like, well, you do need to get yourself. So they have those relationships. NBA really doesn't have those right now um, because they're, they don't have a new TV deal. So you don't have Amazon. You don't have uh, Peacock. You don't have like any of the big streamers involved. With the NBA just yet. HBO Max, which is Turner. Um, 
they're not involved right now. So the question I guess I have is like, do do they look at this and say, well, streaming is kind of in this weird spot. If you listen, Bill Simmons had a great thing about the future and everything that's happening. Like streaming is not in a good spot right now. Like it's almost like we're headed back to like the cable stuff. And it's like, if that's mm-hmm. where we're headed, like then there needs to just be a channel. Like it just needs, you need to figure this out with YouTube TV and with Hulu and then work your way down to spectrum and Comcast. And all these other. There's just so many hoops to jump through. And I don't know if, these teams are ready. I'm sorry. I rambled a little bit on that. It's a fact. I just find it very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this is above my level of knowledge, um, but I do know that hockey has NHL has a package with ESPN plus. Right. Where you can watch every game. I don't know if there's blackout restrictions or not, um, but I guess the only problem I see there is that, you know, there's, aren't they still airing like local broad, like the regional broadcasts? So if you don't have that, I don't know how that works. Um, unless I don't know. Yeah. ESPN, for example, would then pay, you know, the team's broadcasters to, to do the games and that'd be great. But then, it, then it's league pass and then it's probably a lot more for ESPN plus, I would think like, you know, NHL with all due respect, you know, isn't really, doesn't have the weight that, NBA does or you know other sports and probably even baseball does so that's what makes that possible and I think the NHL wants to get their product in front of as many people as possible um so that's why that happened but that came to mind I don't know I mean yeah um I just I'd be I just don't see the regional sports networks disappearing overnight um but that would suck yeah, um, I, I, I don't, I don't, how, like, don't they have something, a contract to fulfill for this season? Yeah, I don't, I have no idea. I, yeah, I would, I would imagine they might have that for the NBA where there's a contract to fill and it's 70 games and whatever the deal is. But the NBA could say, all right, we're going to buy out the rest of your, I could see a situation where the NBA is like, all right, the 16, we're going to buy out the rest of these games. We'll figure out something for next season. I have zero point zero idea what baseball does, right? They have a full year. So like, what do they do there? How does that work? All these teams have TV deals. How does that, where, where do we go from there with baseball? That's the one that I like is really troubling, but they do have some streaming deals in place and that does make it easier. But the people who have cable, it's like, all right, are they just left on an Island? Like, how does that, how does that all like come together? is is a real real difficult thing to figure out so do you think that the the bally sports like 20 bucks a month package or whatever they offered it was was do you think that was kind of a like a last second last ditch kind of effort to yeah absolutely absolutely it was because they they couldn't figure out a way to do the deals with youtube tv and and with hulu and you know youtube tv which is a subsidiary of google kind of just told them to fuck off and we're like we're not paying this we're not going to yeah. pay the amount of money that you want for this because the re- the return on investment is not there for us. So why are we doing this? Because um, on YouTube TV would have had to have gone up 15, right. 20 bucks a month probably. Right. Exactly. And and so, in, and I don't know, maybe Google looks into it. Maybe Google considers it. But I, I do think like there are a lot, especially baseball, and I'm thinking selfishly because my, my, my I look out for my father, right? He's a huge Brewers fan. He watches almost every game. And it's like, 
if this all goes to streaming, like what the fuck does he do? Like, how does that work? Right? Like, it's it's really interesting, man. It's not it's not an easy it's not an easy thing, as you said, above your pay grade. It's totally is, and it's it can just go in could go in a hundred different directions. And yeah, it would make sense to pick it up, but ESPN's not really doing so hot right now. They Disney just laid off seven thousand people. Like, does it, ESPN really want to pick that up and really put it as part of their network? Does Fox want to get Fox didn't want to get, but Fox left this, right? Fox sold this. They they didn't want to get involved. CBS probably not. I don't know. Be it's gonna be fascinating, man. Uh be interesting and we'll see. But we should get going. It's been a long one. I appreciate you uh doing this late with me after the Marquette game. Uh we'll be back tomorrow to recap Bucks Bulls. Hopefully a few Bucks play. I know Pat Conson isn't. Um and anything else that comes across the wire on uh Thursday night. Yes, sir. Take care. Peace. See you.